Katie here. Perhaps you know this line from a very famous book. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. That's the opening line of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Maybe it's a book you've never read. Maybe it's a book you've read once a long time ago or a thousand times. Whatever the case may be, Help us celebrate our 10th season by entering to win the most beautiful copy of Pride and Prejudice, signed by me and Tiffany, and hidden somewhere deep inside the book. Tiffany has underlined her very favorite line of the whole story. It's a cloth-bound book decorated with golden swans, and we're giving it away to anyone who donates to the show during the month of September, which of course is almost over. Help us celebrate nearly 10 years of making this show by making a minimum donation of $5, and we will put your name in the hat to win this beautiful signed book. We're going to mail it to anywhere in the world so everyone is eligible. Make a one-time donation during the month of September or consider becoming a monthly donor. For as little as $5 a month, you'll get entered to win this beautiful copy of Pride and Prejudice. A celebration and a thank you of nearly 10 years in production of this show. I really hope you'll throw your name in the hat. Visit us on patreon.com slash the bittersweet life podcast or find links to donate at the bittersweetlife.net. Links are also in the show notes. Throw your hat in the ring. The odds are good. The odds are really good. I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks. Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. Now, if you listen to Monday's episode, you have heard that I just celebrated my 18th anniversary of moving to Rome this very week. And that is kind of crazy to me. Uh, I know that 18 might not seem like a significant number the way that 10 or 20 might, uh, but 18 is significant to me because, first of all, it's the length of my entire childhood, 18 years, but also because 18 is the number of years that I lived in my childhood town, the town where I grew up. And the thought that I have now lived in Rome, the same amount of time that I lived in the Seattle area growing up is, it's just trippy to me. I just still, I'm trying to get my head around this idea because it seems like I haven't been here that long. Sorry about Aurelio and Claudio talking in the background. They know I'm taping a mini episode, but apparently they don't care. I usually do this when they're not at home, but didn't have the chance this time. Today, I thought that I would reminisce a little bit about my first days and weeks living in Rome as an expat in the early 2000s. 
2004 to be exact. If you haven't already done the math in your head, my very first impression, I think, on living in Rome was just how sunny it was all the time. Now, I mean, I'd been to Rome many times. I knew it was, you know, a pretty sunny city, uh, but um, I had never been there that long, of course. And as days stretched into weeks and into months, every single morning, and I mean every morning, when I opened my blackout shutters, I opened them to see the sun shining in with not a cloud in the sky. And I just couldn't understand how that was possible, that every single day, especially in late September going into October, every single day is bright and sunny like that. You know, I grew up in Seattle and bright sunny days are few and far between, especially in the autumn. That was a bit of a shock for me. Now, as I've mentioned probably briefly on this show, uh, and I've mentioned very extensively on one of our bonus episodes that's available on Patreon, if you want to join us over there, you can hear that. I stayed for about two weeks, the first two weeks of my time in Rome, I stayed with some distant Italian relatives, specifically my mother's second cousin, who uh, I didn't grow up knowing, but we sort of made a connection with them. We made contact with them um, before one of my mom's trips to Italy. And, uh, And so I knew them. I had stayed with them a few times before, but they weren't people that I grew up with and that I was very close with. I'm not going to go into that aspect of my uh, my first time, although it, it was a big part of my early days of, uh, of expat life in Rome. But because I go into it extensively on that bonus episode, I won't do it here. Just suffice to say, it was a pretty unbearable <laughs> two weeks and pretty miserable. Um, so you'll have to follow us on Patreon or support us on Patreon to hear that, hear about that. But it was probably around the 5th of October that I finally found an apartment in Rome. And I should say I found a room in someone else's apartment in Rome. And I got out of that home in the sort of suburb area of Rome and where I was miserable. And uh, I finally was on my own, footloose and fancy free and living the ever so glamorous expat life in Rome. I say that because it was the opposite of glamorous. I mean, if you're thinking of Emily in Paris, it was not Tiffany in Rome. It was not like that. First of all, the first place that I lived was on Via Mameli, which if you know Trastevere, it's sort of the edge of between Trastevere and the Gianicolo Hill. It's like the very edge of Trastevere. I found this place. I mean, I was looking for a cheap place. I had, I had two requirements. One, I had to be in the center. I refused to live outside of center. I was like, I, here I am. I moved to Rome to experience Rome. Why would I go and live out in the not, let's say, the non-historic areas? I didn't want to live in a place that had been built in the 1960s. I wanted to live in an old-looking, charming-looking, and very central part of town. So Trastevere was really the area that I had planned, that I was hoping to live in. And I bought the Porta Portese newspaper, which I don't know if it still exists. I think it might only exist online. But back in those days, you bought it at the newsstand for one euro. And it's this giant newspaper, but it's only, it's only classified ads. And there's a huge rental section. And I had to learn how to read the sort of way that they write rental ads because it's very particular. And you have to sort of know what the lingo is and the abbreviations and all that. No pictures, obviously. I mean, man, when I think about what has changed in those 18 years, looking for accommodation is probably one of the 
biggest things that have changed. The way you look for accommodation uh, is so, so different. I don't even know if there was Craigslist back in 2004. Maybe there was, but there was, you couldn't really find an apartment through Craigslist. The only apartments available on Craigslist were, at least in later years, were, are really for short-term rentals. So you had to really look in these newspapers. And I found a place that was cheap. So that was my second priority. It had to be cheap because I didn't have a job, <laughs> you know? I, uh, I had finally gotten in touch with someone who ran a yoga school and was going to let me teach two lessons a week there. But, you know, you're not going to survive on two lessons a week. So I had my savings. That was it. And so I found a room, a very small room, but the place was central. The woman whose, whose place it was, she, her name was Donatella. And I remember her like it was yesterday because she was she was so mean. She was significantly older than myself. And there was another American girl living there who was really nice. And I unfortunately lost touch with her. She moved back to the States shortly thereafter. She was probably scared away by Donatella. But Donatella, apparently, like, she made her living, more or less, by renting out these two rooms in her apartment. Now, I never gathered if it was her own apartment and she owned it, or if she rented it out and maybe had some, like, rent control situation and was renting out the two extra rooms to basically pay for the rent and pay her, you know, some money to live on. But it's actually quite a common thing to do here. And it's kind of murky legally. I don't know that it's, it's really allowed. But anyway, that was the situation. And she had this list of rules. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just laughing because I haven't thought about this in so long. And when I moved in, she didn't just give me the list of rules. She made me copy it out in my own handwriting <laughs> so that I guess it would, it would sink in. And, uh, and one of the rules was that you had to buy your own toilet paper and keep it in your own room and bring it into the bathroom when you needed it. She apparently had had some kind of a situation with a tenant where the tenant used all the toilet paper, like excessive amounts of toilet paper. And this had really made her resentful. And so from now on, you buy your own toilet paper, you keep it in your own room and you bring it into the bathroom whenever you use it. I eventually got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna pay for the toilet paper of the whole apartment because I don't wanna to have to carry toilet paper into the bathroom with me every time I have to go. So just consider this my gift to you. And she still wouldn't have it. It was not, it was not okay because it was against the rules. Um, another one of the rules was you may not use the washing machine. She's like, anytime you have to do your laundry, you come to me and I will, you know, you put it in, I will do everything else. I will put the soap in and I will start it up. And apparently this was another tra uh, traumatic <laughs> event in her past that had caused her to be like this. And she had had someone flood her bathroom because it was an old fashioned washing machine that had a tube, like the sort of uh, Scarico tube, like I don't know how you say it, where the water comes out, the dirty water comes out at the end of the cycle. And you have to put it in the bidet. And um, this person hadn't done that and it had flooded the whole bathroom. So we were not allowed to actually start the washing machine on our own. And there were many other rules about, you know, which dishes we were allowed to use and, you know, making sure that no food went down the sink. I mean, this woman, I think she had, um, she'd had a lot of bad stuff happen to her <laughs> in the past <laughs> and uh, she didn't want it to happen anymore. So anyway, I lasted there for exactly one month. Actually, I think it was three weeks. 
<laughs> it was it was not working. And she was just the meanest, meanest, scariest person ever. And so I moved out and I found another place with another woman who was definitely not mean in the same way, but she wasn't very nice. <laughs> and she was even older and she had been a model and she was very beautiful. And she had a son who was in college and by all the, by the pictures she had of him, he was also very beautiful. And unfortunately, I never got to meet him because he was at college in Milan. But she was a single woman and her son was, you know, had moved out. And so she was basically, she, she owned this beautiful apartment near the Pantheon. I mean, it was really a gorgeous apartment. But clearly what had happened was, you know, her, her income had dried up because she was too old to, be, to work as a model anymore. And so she needed some extra money. So she decided to rent out her son's bedroom. Here was the problem. Her son's bedroom was basically what they call an antecamera, uh, an antechamber. So it was a room that led into her room. And so in order to get into her room, you had to walk through my room, what became my room. And that's uncomfortable to say the least, uh, uh, especially if you, you know, want any modicum of privacy. At that time, you know, I'd only been living in Rome for maybe a month or a month and a half at that point. I still had zero friends. And when I say zero, I mean zero. When I was living in the earlier apartment, at least I had the other girl there who worked a lot. So I rarely saw, but at least, you know, in the evenings we chat and uh, I had like another human to talk to. But I still had not made any friends yet. And you'll remember if you listened to earlier episodes, I met my very first real friend in Rome on New Year's Eve of that same year. So it was still October. Still no friends for poor lonely Tiffany. She used to comment on this. She used to say things like, why don't you ever go out in the evenings? I mean, you're young. Like, why don't you ever go to aperitivo? You know, why are you here all the time? <laughs> she clearly like wanted my money, but didn't actually want me there. She also wouldn't let me spend any time in her living room. Like the rule was I could be in the bedroom and I, I could cook. I had like, an, I had a schedule. She said, do you want to cook at the seven o'clock hour or the eight o'clock hour? Like, which time do you want to have dinner? Because we can't cook at the same time. I can't remember which I picked, but she made it very clear. You know, I could use the kitchen from seven to eight and I had my own bathroom. That was one of the nice things. But when it came to the rest of the time, I'd better be shut up in that tiny room. And I had my computer. I don't think I had an internet access. In fact, I'm almost 100% sure I had no internet access. I bought a book. I bought a copy of Bridget Jones's diary in Italian. I still have it. And I was reading it in order to improve my Italian, I was naturally reading it very slowly because I still, you know, was not fluent yet in Italian. And I remember her walking past me as I was eating my really pathetic lunch of probably like cheese and bread, or something like that, something that people who don't have regular income eat for lunch. And she looked over my shoulder and she saw that I had been reading this book for you know, weeks and weeks. And she said, You're, you like to read slow, don't you? And I mean, she said things like that. She, was, she wasn't like cruel and evil like Donatella, 
and her name was Daniela. I do remember her name. So Donatella and Daniela. Daniela was more snarky and she would sort of make these really backhanded mean comments. And she said, oh, you read so slowly. And I looked at her and I said, I'm reading this in Italian. It's not my first language. And she said, oh, okay. And uh, when I finally realized I had to move out, the reason, the only reason I took that place, I took it for one month, was because I was waiting for a place in Trastevere to open up that I so, so, so wanted to live at. It just was a totally different type of place. It was a huge apartment. There were like five foreign people living there, two or three bathrooms. It was way more low-key. It ended up being much worse because the guy who ran it was a psychopath and stalked me, but that's another story. Um, But I finally moved out of Donatella's. There's still a tiny little bit of lipstick on the uh, stone arch over the huge doors of that apartment in Piazza Rondanini. And the reason is because I was getting ready to go out. I did have a date, that's right. I, I was dating someone at that time, although it didn't lead anywhere. And I was putting on some lipstick right at the doorstep of the building. And I must have accidentally lost my balance because I streaked some lipstick across the <laughs> the stones of the uh, of the entryway, the huge stone arch over the doorway. And uh, it's still there. I rarely go into Piazza Rondanini because it's this sort of like out of the way piazza. But if I do pass through there, I always look and I see if that lipstick is still there because it's a reminder of my very real but very distant seeming past in Rome, my early days in Rome. It's sort of like I was here, Tiffany was here and it's still there and you can still find it on, I want to say Piazza Rondanini number 17, although don't quote me on that. I'm not sure that was the number. Anyway, when I moved out, I told you I have my own bathroom. This bathroom was beautiful. The whole apartment was beautiful. The bathroom was one of those bathtubs with a sort of handheld shower attachment. So you could stand up and take a shower. But of course, there's like no shower curtain. And so you just, you know, flood the bathroom. But not only that, when you switched the water over from bathtub mode to shower mode, it didn't work properly. I think it must have been full of calcium because hardly any water came out of the shower head. It was just a drip of water from the shower head and the rest of the water was coming out of the bathtub head. So I basically had to take a bath. There was no other way to bathe than to take a bath. And so I took baths every day. And eventually when I left, she said, you know, my water bill was extra high this month because of you, because you take baths every day. And so you're going to have to give me an extra 20 20 euros, which I happily gave her because it's not that much. But um, I wanted to say, and you know, old me, I guess, didn't have the um, confidence to say this, but new me does. (laughs) I wanted to say, listen, it's not my fault. Your bathroom is full of calcium and I was not able to take a shower, but what are you going to do? Sometimes it's easier just not to pick that battle. Yeah. So those were my first few months living in Rome. It was hard. It was really hard. I'm not going to lie. I also had the my mom's second cousin stalking me, basically, calling me night and day because I didn't want to go over there ever because they had been so mean to me when I had lived there. And that was its own particular nightmare. Again, you'll have to listen to the bonus episode to hear all about that. I think it's called Whatever Happened with Tiffany's Italian Relatives. But this has gone on too long. I could definitely go on even longer. But this is a mini episode, so I'm going to leave it here. 
I hope you uh, enjoyed this and I hope you can, um, I don't know how to put this, take courage from my bad experiences. If you move abroad, you're going to have some difficult times. It's not going to be all roses and Emily in Paris. But if you can get through those hard times, sometimes what is waiting on the other side is a life even more wonderful than you could have imagined when you decided to move abroad. Thanks so much for listening. Join us again. Bye. Katie here again. Don't forget to enter to win our beautiful signed copy of Pride and Prejudice, signed by Katie and Tiffany, not by Jane Austen. Still beautiful, valuable, all the more. Plus, you'll be supporting this show and saying hooray for you guys. Ten seasons. Congratulations. I hope to see more seasons to come. Find links to donate in the show notes. For a minimum of $5, I'm going to throw your name in the hat to win this beautiful book. The odds are in your favor. If you love this show, donate today.